Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, good day. Good day, Bayside. It's so wonderful to have this opportunity to uh, communicate with you across the technology, the media, and I uh, just want to say on Glenda and my behalf that we love you guys and we miss you. We so honor you and the people you are, the church you are, and we're so grateful that we were there almost from day one when you were birthed and certainly at your first anniversary. And we've just watched you journey and travel and transition and be transformed more and more into a church that's carrying a glory, carrying a health carrying a gospel that is reaching your city and into South Australia and into Australia and into the nations of the earth. So you, you are a people that are bearing fruit and, and ministering the grace of God in a beautiful, honoring way, in such a beautiful culture. And we just miss you guys, and we've loved every time. We're with you and part of you. We've loved your sense of humor and your joy and the atmosphere of your house. And we, we so salute Chad and Jay, and just so grateful for our partnership with them, our friendship with them, and uh, our travels, and just just the friendship and knowing them for so many years. I won't even try and guess how long we've known them for, but we knew them before they were married. So anyway, that goes back such a long time ago. Anyway, so um, Glenda just sends all her love, and uh, she obviously we're, we're doing this online or recording this. But uh, also, just from City Church International Hong Kong, we just send our love and are grateful for your uh, input into our house. So we are grateful to be part of partnership with a very mature, Bayside, happy church growing and increasing in supernatural health. And today I want to just bring a message about the consciousness of miracles and how that can increase in our life. I don't want to make this uh, difficult or complicated uh, because I know you're used to the best teaching on the planet through Chad, but um, I want to say that as you start off on your series on the Philippines, <laughs> um, I'm glad I didn't say Filipinos, but Philippines, but as you start on that series, Choosing Joy, uh, I believe it's such a glorious, appropriate, relevant time in the context of a global pandemic of coronavirus, which uh, has set so many people in such deep distress for so many different reasons, but to choose joy. And I just want to say that, that Nehemiah chapter 8, where it, the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I love the fact that it's not our joy, it's the joy of the Lord that he imparts into our spirit. So his joy becomes our strength. And it's a wonderful thing to give our hearts and minds permission to choose joy. Because when we're choosing joy, there's a tap, a fountain, an everlasting flow from the very Spirit of God into our spirit of the joy of the Lord. It's not like the Lord is indifferent to human pain. He's moved with compassion and empathizes and sympathizes with our infirmities, with our struggles, with everything we're going through. But He is also a God who, for the joy set before Him, Jesus endured the cross and came out the other side uh, because he saw us in his heart and in his holy ambitions that there was something so joyful and worthwhile going through 
the suffering and being handled by sinful men and some of the shame that they put him through and the way they treated him. He saw you, Bayside. He saw us. And for the joy of that, he continued through and came out the other side in resurrection and glory for our benefit. So rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, as Philippians 4 says. And it's the scripture, it's the book that talks about joy more than any other book. Now I'm going to leave it to the expert teachers and expositors of Bayside to do that series. All I want to touch on today is a little excerpt out of Philippians chapter 2. And uh, I want to talk about the consciousness of increased miracles. I don't want it to be too mystical, although it'll be a little bit mystical. I don't want it to sound so far-fetched that it's impossible to reach because I believe you know the Scriptures well and it's clearly the Word of God. And our Father wants us in these days, especially in this time on the planet now, for the church to come into new levels of the supernatural, to come into new things of the miraculous. And in this time, the positive side of this corona thing is, is simply how God turns it around for good and how the church will be increasingly deinstitutionalized and become more relational, more community, more miraculous, more supernatural, more a magnificent, attractive uh, people on the planet. So here we go. Um, I'm not going to talk about the practical ways of how to step into the supernatural today. I want to keep this simple and short, but uh, I'm just doing a series now in Hong Kong um, that, that I believe will be very helpful in the practical on the four essentials, four essential ingredients that we need for the supernatural. Four, talking about four essentials that we need for the supernatural, for the miraculous, and I'm talking about it like a kingdom science that you can, that a scientist can, in the natural can, uh, uh, can eliminate hit, hit and misses and begin to get more successes. So in the kingdom, there are four essentials that will make miracles a flow, not, not something forced. They'll make miracles a more certainty, and we'll see in the series, which you're very welcome to follow online or just get the recordings. So let me read the scripture to today. It's from Philippians chapter 2. And uh, it's one of my favorite passages, and it's a foundation I want to say in the next 25 minutes, 23 minutes. Okay, from Philippians chapter 2. Oh, by the way, I just want to say that um, we were deeply moved when we heard about Clinus, this dear, dear champion, this dear, wonderful saint of God, being so influential and part of Bayside for so many years, graduating to heaven. And uh, when I heard, because of the coronavirus, she was not able to have a normal funeral. And then what Chad told us, how it was conducted, people lining the streets, man, in, in, in the city and on the way to the burial. What, what, a, what a tribute and, and what a great grand salute to such a marvelous lady. And I was deeply moved. Actually, I just started crying when Chad told me. So bless you for doing that so well. Anyway, Philippians 2 verse 6 says, who being in very nature God, oh no, let me go to verse 5. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful scripture. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Now comes the most important part of this reading. Verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. The highest place in the heavenly realms. God exalted a man, Jesus, to the highest place. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, there's such splendid superlatives and insights there that can illuminate our heart on the issue of having an attitude of humility that the devil tried to exalt himself and be equal with God. He tried to deceive Adam and Eve to try to be equal with God. But Jesus, who always was God, had never been a human, had always been divine, fully God, with all the advantages of Almighty God. Yet he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He did not try to exalt himself above God, and he, he gave up that advantage of being God. Now, he gave it up temporarily, and he never was anything less than divine, but he took on humanity. Now, there has to be a revelational reason why Jesus was prepared to descend into the earth and even below the earth. What was the purpose? Was it just to show a lesson in humility? Now, I believe the context is clear throughout the scriptures that Jesus was descending and giving up temporarily his advantages of, uh, of being God and literally restricted himself to being human without any divine advantages. His divinity was completely and utterly and absolutely restrained within his humanity from the time he came into this earth and was born through a virgin, Mary, so that he did not have the lineage of fallen first Adam. So he came as last Adam. And so what, what was his purpose? His purpose was to demonstrate what a man can do. When Jesus was doing miracles on this earth, he was not trying to show us what God can do. He was trying to show us what man rightly related to God can do. There's our first clue, that if Jesus did miracles as a man, I mean as God, then we could admire him, as Bill Johnson said, and go, wow, God does amazing things. But we could not even attempt to think that we could do it. But if he did things as a man, which he did do, rightly related to his Father by the power of the Holy Spirit, then that means any one of us can do these things. I remember being in a place in, in, a, in a big conference of thousands of people, and God was moving so powerfully, and I saw people getting, I, I called the sick up, they came up to the front, I rebuked sickness and spoke under the power, and a man was thrown out of his wheelchair and walked. No one even pulled him out. And miracles broke out. The next speaker got up, ignored everything I said, and said that, Jesus did all his miracles as God. Well, I didn't know what to do. So the second session, I just said, I've got to go for it. And miracles broke out and signs and wonders and awesome things happened. Uh, and so my wife will tell you very quickly, Rob does no miracles as God because he is not God. We do them by a consciousness of Christ. We do them because of Jesus. So he humbled himself so that he could do everything as a man and identify with us as man and demonstrate what God could do. But then in John 14, 12, he makes it very clear that he was not setting a high standard that would put us under pressure and we would need a long time to be able to catch up with that. Jesus was literally saying in John 14, 12, that he just started this thing out and he just began it. 
But there will come a time, a church in the earth, that will do the works he did and greater works because we would go on beyond what he started out doing. Now that sounds so awesome and so intimidating, but in Ephesians chapter 4, verse, if you read from verse 10 all the way through, you'll see that the scripture is very, very clear uh, that the entire purpose of the Ephesians 4 gift ministries, our only purpose, is to bring the church to the measure of all the fullness of Christ. So you'll see this so clearly. Paul says, he that you know, descended is the same one that ascended and gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip and bring the body of Christ to mature, maturity and come to the unity of faith in the consciousness of Christ or the unity of faith in who Christ is at the right hand of the Father and this will continue until the church comes to the measure of the stature of all the fullness of Christ and is no longer tossed to and fro by every little wind of doctrine and stays infant or immature or lacking in the greater works of Jesus or even the works of Jesus and in the next verse says it's because men with cunning craftiness and deceitful scheming lie in wait and try and put the church under bondage legalism guilt controls and all kinds of limitation traditions of men and so we I believe that God is releasing a supernatural consciousness for the church in 2020 and into and growing up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. So what do I mean by consciousness? Consciousness is what the soul knows. Consciousness is a consciousness of certainty. We have a spirit that's already born again, that's perfect, just completely righteous through redemption. And then we have a, a soul which is in the process of being renewed, renewed. So, so the consciousness in our spirit is perfect consciousness. 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is in heaven, as he is, so we in this world. As he is in heaven, so we are in this world. Obviously, he's not referring to our physical body. That's still yet to be redeemed in the resurrection. And he's not, yet, he's not speaking about our soul. That will be fully redeemed also. But it's in progress now towards full redemption. Which means the consciousness of Christ, as he is, so we are in this world. What he is at the right hand of the Father, exalted to the highest place in our spirits as we walk this earth, we have that same consciousness. And I want to say this, that he has a very interesting scripture in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. It says, and then Jesus became, and it's referring when he was exalted to the right hand of the Father, that Jesus at the right hand exalted to the highest place, re-inherited as a man what he already had as God, and we are co-equal heirs with Christ, and so we have inherited in our spirits what he has at the right hand. So he has become something that he wasn't before the cross, and he wasn't even after the uh, resurrection. But when he was exalted, he became something he was nothing that he, he wasn't before. He then became the triumphant, conquering, redemption, he became the triumphant author of a perfect eternal salvation. And it's great to know Jesus when he walked this earth. It's great to know him on the cross. But we are not to just relate to him as he was, but as he is in heaven. Your spirits and my spirit that are born again are as his spirits, fully triumphant and fully conscious. So let me quickly flow through this and explain what I mean by what I'm, I'm saying. That Christ Jesus, limited to being a man, had to grow in levels of consciousness. The Bible says in Luke 2 that he was 
uh, he, he grew and he developed in wisdom, favor with God, favor with man, and he grew in stature. Jesus had to develop in his consciousness, and then because he was limited to his humanity, and then after he was baptized and the, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him, he began to ascend in consciousness. And God's highest purpose for us while we're on the earth is his highest purpose is to bring us to the full measure of the stature of Christ by shifting what's in our spirit into our soul so that the Holy Spirit has dominion, has beautiful government over our spirit, our spirit has government over our soul, our soul has government over our bodies, so the the fullness of what Jesus did on this earth and greater works can flow through your, from the Spirit of God, through your spirit, into your soul, out through your mouth, out through your hands. That when you lay hands on people, you are wired now in your soul, in your renewed mind, to shift the power of God from the Spirit, from your, your, through your spirit, through your soul, so that you do the works and even greater works. Now that sounds far-fetched, but it's in the Word. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I the truth, I the truth. I tell you, I'm the truth. I tell you, truly, truly, whoever, whoever believes in me, the miracles I've been doing, they will do also, and even greater works. Why? He said, because I go to the Father. That means Jesus was not exalted back to the right hand of the Father for himself. He was exalted there for us. He didn't go there uh, for himself. Ex Ephesians chapter 1 says twice that Jesus was exalted to the highest place for us, for the church. So the fullness of him that fills everything will fill the fullness of God in the church. That means in our soul. That means in manifestation that we do the works of Jesus and even greater works. So Jesus ascended in four areas, and he had three ascensions in each category of four. First, he ascended after the Holy Spirit. He ascended in, in the area of nature, that he could turn water into wine which is miraculous. The second level he ascended up, he was able to calm water down. He calmed the waves. Third level he ascended into was he walked on the water. Then in the area of healing, he began healing the sick, healed multitudes of sick people. And then he ascended to the area of opening blind eyes and deaf ears. Miraculous. And then he ascended into the area of the miracles to the maimed. When you've got a missing arm, you can't heal that. There has to be the miraculous growth of a new arm to blind, people born blind, to the lepers that had lost ears and noses. He was able to ascend to that higher third level in the area of healing. Then in the area of authority over of a death on this planet, he was able to start off with uh, Zach. Uh, Jairus' daughter, she had been dead just a few minutes, 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And he goes in there, and he's got a consciousness of resurrection power. And he has to get some of the people who are hysterical, who've got no faith, they've got unbelief consciousness. And he has to get them out the room because their consciousness of unbelief would intrude. And he wasn't at that level yet to deal with that level of consciousness that was in the room. So he got them out the room very graciously and took people in that, had a, that were not going to contradict his consciousness, and he raised a little girl from the dead. Talith kumi, I say to you, rise, gave her back to her dad. Can you imagine the joy he did that? Second level he went up to in resurrection, power was quite amazing. The, the widow of Nain, and her son now had been dead at least in a number of hours in a coffin, and so he comes up, he doesn't remove people. He's got a, now got a dominion in his consciousness that can handle even unbelievers being around. And he touches the lid of the coffin and the, the young man who's been dead for at least four hours. His body would have begun to decay already. 
that, that young man rises. Then third level he ascends, ascends into. Supernaturally, you can see this magnificent thing with Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead four days. By now he stinketh. He doesn't, he doesn't push people out. He doesn't ask people to leave. He stands there and said, Father, I know that you always hear me. I just pray for their sake. Lazarus, come forth. These are phenomenal increments. None of them happened by accident. Jesus didn't come down as God and start off doing things as God. Everything he did, he did to sequence levels of consciousness to pass them on to a church that is so hungry, so longing to see the glory of God and us ascend without condemnation and our failures, but just faith. And then in the fourth and final area, he ascended in the area of the resurrection, I mean, in the area of the cross. Now, if you look at John chapter 10, it's one chapter before John 11. Jesus says in John 10, he says, no one takes my life. I lay my life down. He said, I lay my life down. I, he says, I have authority to lay my life down and I have authority to raise my life up. This is talking as a man with the limitations of man, trusting the Holy Spirit. And then he says in the next verse, he says, my father has commanded this authority to me or my father has imparted this consciousness into my being. And so when he goes to the cross, he does not go as a suffering martyr. He doesn't go there as someone that is just bereft of all hope. Jesus goes to the cross with a supernatural, holy, sanctified, divine aggression as a great conqueror. He's going after death itself. And so when he says it's finished, the sacrifice was greater than the judgment. He's still talking. He's not being completely separated from his father. He's still talking into your spirit. I submit, I submit my spirit to you, Father. So when Jesus went down, uh, his spirit was still alive. His body was dead, but he went down. First Peter chapter 3, First Peter chapter 4 says, Jesus went and preached to the people in prison. He was there with Noah and all the rebellion and hatred against God was going on. He preached to them. He doesn't save them. He just preaches to them. But First Peter chapter 4, in that chapter, Jesus, the Bible talks about Jesus taking captivity captive. So he brought with him all those who died in faith before, before, the, uh, before the cross. So Jesus comes out from the grave and he rises up from the dead as with a consciousness of certainty and a consciousness of triumph, triumphant conquest. And he breathes on his disciples and he says, as the Father sends me, I'm sending you. And he begins to speak words that no human being had spoken before. He said, now all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he takes his disciples that he had spent three and a half years training them, not in Bibles, not in a sense of cerebral training, but in releasing anointing on them and revelation, the spirit of life, and, 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 and them going out and doing miracles. And they'd come and he'd help them go further and further. He took those same that he administered with and trained for three and a half years. He takes them for 40 days after his resurrection. And he takes them into the mountains and hills of Galilee. And for 40 days, he releases the power of resurrection because he came out of that grave with conquest and a consciousness of certainty. And he came out of that grave with the keys of death and hell. He got the keys back that Satan had stolen from first Adam. Last Adam came with conquest and consciousness of certainty and breathed that into his 
disciples for 40 days. And then, then, then the day of Pentecost came. Well, let me say, after 40 days, he ascended and they watched him ascend, exalted to the highest place. And in that highest place, as great high priest, he became the high priest over the better covenant. And he became the exalted one. And he became the one who, who was the perfect author of eternal salvation. That's the consciousness that Jesus says, you can do the works I did and greater works because I go to the Father. That's the consciousness he wants in you and me. Not the consciousness he carried uh, before the cross. He wants to impart to us the consciousness he gained before the cross, the consciousness he gained in those three areas, but now the fourth area, he wants us to be imparted that consciousness from our spirits into our souls that he ascended in front of his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came. And Peter preaches, the main theme of Peter's preach is that God did not suffer his body to die in the grave. He raised him up. And he says, so he was crucified, he was raised, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus preaches that final fourth level of, of consciousness that Jesus ascended to. Oh, just amazing to travel and transition so quickly through something that took 33 years. But I believe you've got this. I believe that God's breathing something into you right now. I believe uh, if you want to, if you listen to the, whole, the four ingredients to, to release and develop the science of miracles so it's no longer hit and miss. And when we put those ingredients in, uh, the miraculous is not something that we uh, force. It is, it is a rhythm. It's a flow. And we can see more and more of the miraculous happen. So let me close with this. Jesus said in Revelation 1.18, I'm alive, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. When Jesus was raised up and exalted as our great high priest at the right hand, and he became the author of perfect eternal salvation, he's breathing that consciousness into our spirits and from our spirits into our souls. And I believe that from the day one, when Jesus humbled himself and came here as a man, limiting himself to the context of this earth, the corruption in this earth, giving up all his advantages of, as God, he was doing it to lift us up to the consciousness he has at the right hand of the Father for the church to come to the measure of the stature of all the fullness of God. And so I believe that from day one, he was on a mission, assignment, a destiny, and on purpose, on purpose. And nobody, nobody, or no criticisms or persecution or rejection or hatred against him could cause him to stop. He knew that he has to and must gain the fullness of these four areas of consciousness from the lowest to the highest. He must secure them because Peter said when he was preaching in Acts 2 that he was ascended on high and from that place he secured for us the gift of the Holy Spirit from the Father. And Jesus knew if I can ascend through all these four levels of consciousness, I can secure for men and women on the planet the highest level of consciousness where they will do the miracles I've been doing and even greater miracles. And so when this consciousness is received and churches are hungry to walk in this realm, I believe that a whole new world 
of men and women, a whole new world of new and different, distinctive men and women will walk this earth and flow in the measure of the full stature of Christ and see the manifestation of Jesus at the right hand of the Father on this earth as He is coming out of our reborn spirits. And I can tell you that Gilwa, Gilwa, Bayside, all the whole area of South Australia will never be the same. The book of Acts was born without... Uh, tributaries of toxic traditions of men. It was born with this pure heart of Jesus. And you can see in, in Acts 5, as you read through there, they brought all the crowds from all the surrounding towns and villages. And it says, and they were all healed. And the shadows healed the sick. And Jesus wasn't there. They were doing the miracles of Jesus. They hadn't moved into the greater works. And then the traditions of men come in. But I tell you, the church is coming out of the dark ages. Australia needs us. Hong Kong needs us. The world needs to awaken and realize there's a body in the world. Jesus never expected his second body. His first body was the one that came in the human likeness. But he never expected his second body, which is the church, to be any less miraculous than he was. He actually expected it to actually go beyond what he did in the miraculous because of his exaltation and what he became at the right hand of the Father. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless Bayside and I decree and declare over this church that is full of innocence and authority and anointing and wisdom and grace and favor and destiny. I speak over these wonderful, precious people. Lord, wherever they're sitting in homes, wherever they are, we declare we love you. We declare the love of God's around you, the grace of the Lord Jesus, his favor shine upon you, is shining upon you, his glory increased on you, his love hug you and be made manifest around you and the beautiful fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with every one of you as you prepare to process in this time into higher levels of consciousness in the supernatural with, without any condemnation. We're all going to make mistakes and fail, but we are lifting higher and higher. We are sending higher and higher in the consciousness of miracles in the supernatural. We love you guys. Love you, Chad and Jay. Bless you guys. Bless, your, bless all of you. Bless Bayside and bless your city. Bless Australia in the name of Jesus, and bless what God has called you to do around the world as well. We love you. See you. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.